Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and evening. This is Patty Holstrand and this is KWAD Radio and we're on live right now. And we're going to be talking to Lillian Bremmett and we're excited to have her aboard because I, I think we've been watching each other and see things that we've been doing. We both have some things in common with our marketing and so that's a wonderful thing to uh, be able to see other people doing and having some of the same ideas. And of course, you know, here she lives in, in you know Canada of all places. This is all that ways away, and of course we live. We're we're in Arizona, as most of you uh, listeners know. That uh, that I live in Arizona, so that's you know way down in the bottom part of America. So we got some distance between each other, but we definitely had the same ideas. And uh, she's been writing and been getting a lot of awards and different things. We're going to be going over a lot of things that she's been doing. And she's definitely not only a marketing person, but she also very much an environmentalist. And that's one thing that I really stress on uh, advertising is that I wanted her to talk about her uh, her environmental uh, activist uh, awards and things that she's been doing, and how she's been able to put the two together. As far as you know, writing her books on environmental issues, as well as being able to help authors with their marketing. So, Lillian, are you there? I am. Wonderful to have you on board and, and talking to you finally after all these years. <laughs> yes, we've been having a good networking relationship, you and I, for several years <laughs> now, and it, it's great to be able to talk with you in person. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we both work on the same group. We, we help other authors uh, to get their word out on our blogs and uh, and noticed that you were starting to get more into the media as well as about the same time I was. So we both saw the need to uh, really expand media with as, far as you know, uh, audio and, and video. And uh, I think that's really the wave of the future when it comes to getting the word out because there's way too many, too many, too much noise out there. Well, that's the truth, Pat. And, you know, you really have to figure out what's right for you, the individual. You know, just because your friends on uh, YouTube, for instance, or Vimeo or any other site or page or service out there doesn't mean that it's right for you, the individual. You have to kind of put your feelers out there, see where your strengths are, see where your audience is participating, you know, whether it's going to be a right fit for you or not. And once you've done some experimenting, you see what kind of responses you're getting, then you can really put a lot of time into those, you know, whatever's working for you, the individual. Definitely. Now, you know, I know you wrote the Purple Marketing book mm-hmm. uh, some time ago. Yeah, you know, it came out <laughs> quite a few years ago, Purple Snowflake Marketing, um, the subtitle, How to Make Your Book Stand Out in a Crowd. It did. It came out quite a few years ago. Um, I believe the first edition was 2006. Seven, if memory serves correctly, and it's now in its third edition, so it's been uh, a wonderful ride with this book. We we really enjoy it, and of course, uh, because it's um, we're able to update it and put out new editions, we're able to include new information as we're learning it as technology changes, and I think that's important too that people can sort of keep up with the times. Yeah, that's. Part of the reason why I was asking you that, I have, because a lot of authors think, well, I wrote the book, I'm done with it. 
Uh, you know, nonfiction is something you know, they think, well, I can't really do an update. Yes, you can. Yeah. It's just because you call volumes, you know. <laughs> you have certain editions. You can do additions to it. And, uh, again, update because I don't I don't know any industry, quite frankly, uh, that it, that doesn't need to be updated. I mean, well, yeah, that's the thing. And, you know, it doesn't matter what genre you're in. You can always update, do a new edition, do improve, you know, improve it, add a new chapter, whatever it is that you feel uh, needed to be tweaked a little bit on the product that you had originally released. You just, uh, basically, you just wait for the contract with whatever publisher you're working with to run out. Then you go ahead and you make your new edition, and then you seek out a new publisher if you haven't found one already. So it's really easy to do new editions. Now, if you're self-employed or self-published, um, I should say, then there are ways of being able to update it during the life of that particular edition. So, uh, you know, it's very flexible nowadays and, and no fears. You know, if you put uh, your first book out there and you think, oh gosh, I wish I would have done something different with that character. Well, you can. If you get feedback from a reviewer that helps you improve your writing. That doesn't mean that, yet, you know, that book is over, that's finished. You, you can rewrite it and re, re-release it. Give it a new title if you want, new book cover, and off you go, new product. That's true. Now, when you do change all that, of course, we we know as publishers that you need to have a new ISBN. Uh, yeah, I think you need a new ISBN with each new edition, unless maybe yeah. you're with the same publisher. I'm not really sure, um, but I know that for us, each new edition, we were dealing with a different publisher, so each and every time we had a new a new ISBN. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not just about you know changing publishers; it's about the fact that there's new material in it. Right. And you can write it. Say say that hey, there's a second edition, and of course put that right on the cover. So that's one reason why I wanted to bring that up with you because you're one of the only ones I know that uh, have nonfiction that I've been able to ask about. Uh, that particular, I mean, you have you've had your book out for a while. Mm, absolutely, yes. <laughs> Let's go backwards a little bit. And, sure. you know, I know some, a lot of people know who you are, but some of my peeps don't. So want to do a little introduction of yourself uh, other than what I already gave you? Sure, sure. Well, you know, to, to tell you all a little bit about myself, as um, Patty mentioned, I am very passionate about the environment. I really, truly believe in living every moment of every day. Uh, with the idea that we all have an impact with each and every moment that we have, and it's up to us as to what kind of impact that's going to be. And so I'm very conscious of this, you know, whether it's a purchasing decision I'm making, something I'm doing in the office, uh, a marketing endeavor, a publisher I'm going to work with, I always have this in mind. How is this going to be one of those seeds that's going to impact society over time? And um, so that's a real big passion of mine. I'm uh, I'm 43, well, going on 43 in a few months here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that gives you a little bit of an idea to me. I, I'm passionate about uh, rescue animals, animal um, rescue centers. I try to do as much as I can with charities um, through my blog, my radio show, through donations, through volunteer work. So very active as far as uh, living a conscious, socially responsible lifestyle. Um, it's a real passion for me, more important to me than what the size of my bank account. I'm a married woman, uh, 25 years now, going strong with my husband, Dave. Um, awesome. He's also my uh, 
co-writer, and he's the guy behind the scenes that's doing all the proofreading, and, and he does uh, the, the beta reading of the manuscripts, and he does the graphics and cover designs and website maintenance and, you know, all of that kind of thing, which which frees me up for the marketing and other office duties. We, we work really well as a team. I have uh, one uh, dog with me right now. I've had several dogs in the past and cats and what have you over the years, but they've all moved into the next plane. And so we have little Skyla with us. She's a five-year-old shepherd Malamute cross. Mm-hmm. And we hope to invite more furry kids into our lives as uh, as, as our schedule opens up here. <laughs> Sometimes we don't plan things. They just kind of pop into our backyard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've had that uh, in the future. I love cats, and yeah, I love dogs too. But cats are my uh, my favorite. So uh, I've had so many of them through the years. I have one right now. She's sitting there. She's actually being quiet right now. Sometimes she she gets that time of night where it starts getting real nice. And in Arizona, it's it's gotten finally down under ninety degrees. So we can actually open the doors at, in early evening. So it's real nice. Of course, the cat just totally wants the door open. So uh, yeah, that's a nice weather. I'm not sure how what it's like up there, and and what part of Canada do you live in? Okay, well, I live in the sort of south central area of BC, Canada. BC is the westernmost province of Canada. Um, it's right above. Basically, if you look on the map. And you look at the border between um, Washington and Idaho, you follow that border up into B.C., that's where we are, right wow. there, south-central B.C., that's where we are. That's a great way to put it, so that way people can, you know, know geographically how, you know, where you are. Well, I think it's important because we do have an international audience here with the Blog Talk Radio Station, yes, and so we need to make sure that everybody can uh, can understand and relate. Exactly. And it's so good to have somebody from Canada on. Thank uh, you. So we welcome you. Just let's talk a little bit about your writing, and sure. um, and of course we we'll get into the different books that you're doing. Um, what inspired you to to write that first book? Well, you know, uh, I've written pretty much all my life for myself, a closet writer. I would write something. Uh, burn it, you know, release it. I had a lot of emotional issues because I kind of, I grew up in a broken home and there was a lot of, you know, stepdads and activities going on in the home that really shouldn't have been happening. And I found myself on my own when I was 13. And to deal with all of that emotion and, you know, self-hate and shame and all the stuff that victims of violence go through and, and abuse, um, I poured it out on on paper. And more often than not, it was in poetry format or prose, but other times it was just scribbles. And most of the time, I just burned it. Eventually, I started keeping those in a little shoebox, and that shoebox grew. And once in a while, I would go through it and organize it and get rid of some stuff. And so, you know, my collection of writing sort of kept on going from there. If I look back even farther, I can look back into, you know, school. When I was in um, public school, uh, I had a lot of English teachers that would would celebrate my work and read it to the class. And, um, you know, I moved teachers to tears and things like that, which really surprised me at the time. So when I was older, um, still a young individual, I was in my uh, early 20s, I was, and I got involved in a 
uh, three-car pileup. I was in the middle. And that really shook me up because, you know, going through what I went through, putting myself through school, um, being a, a, a place for runaways to find shelter, um, doing everything that I did, building my own business, all of that. And all of that was sort of, I felt it was taken away from me from that accident. I was physically, um, you know, I was in physiotherapy for a year and a half, and um, it, it really, it really shook up my life. You know, losing a business, losing everything that I had worked up for, except for, of course, my relationship with Dave. And um, you know, it really made me question my life. And I started actually having very negative, very chronic depression um, going on, uh, very heavy emotions. And so I was talking with Dave, and I said, you know what, I really have to do something else with my life. I can't keep trying to conform and doing all these shoulds in life and trying to do what I thought was expected of me by the world in order to be considered normal and acceptable. I was just so tired of trying and trying and trying. I wanted to do something that was for me, that made me feel like I had some kind of value. of My, my life meant something that would give me passion, that I would feel good about doing. And he goes, well, what is it that you want to do? And that's just, you know, I don't know. And so that's when I started looking back. And I recognized, you know what, I've been writing all this time. I've had all these, you know, uh, comments from these English teachers, what have you. And then from there, having been a business owner, having had to take, you know, management courses and schooling and what have you, I knew that writing, if I was going to do this, I had to look at it as a business. Mm-hmm. So I went, instead of just trying to write right away and getting stuff published, I actually went in and I took a writer's course, not just any writer's course like creative writing or short story writing, blah, blah. I went for the business course. I wanted to know how I'm going to do my taxes. I wanted to know how I was going to query what publishers were looking for, how to find out the information that I needed to find out, you know, the real nitty-gritty behind-the-scenes business activities. So mm-hmm. after I took that course, it... Um, they gave us a couple of less, um, you know, lesson requirements, and one of those lessons I came up with the idea of, uh, based on my previous experiences and encounters with my clients, of changing people's mindsets about recycling and reusing. Because, and this was, you know, just before the zero waste movement was really kicking in, and so I was. I felt that we really needed to change people's mindsets. People really need to, needed to know the value of these efforts and, you know, the fact that it stimulates economy and so on and so forth. And so uh, I started the idea with one article. And as I was writing the article, I realized, you know what, this is almost a series of articles. So I proposed that to my teacher. And he said, you know, this is actually a column. So what I did was in the, you know, last three-quarter uh three quarters of the way through the course, um, I started submitting the the idea of this column out to publications and it got picked up right away. Well, uh, four or five years later, um, after the column had been running strong in different publications all over the world, I ended up deciding that this was really a book. This really had to be put into a book. You know, you're limited when you're writing articles, depending on what publication you're working for. You might be doing 200-word article. You might be doing a 1,000-word article. And so you're really limited as far as the content and amount of information that you can share about any given topic. And so I had all this other information to share. So I put it all together in a book, proposed it to my very first publisher after doing a heck of a lot of research, and it was accepted. 
And so here I am now, five books later. (laughs) (laughs) Now, five books, we're talking about environmental books or just overall? Well, uh, there's the Trash Talk Book 1, It's Easy to Be Green. There's the Trash Talk Book 2. There's the Towards Understanding Book, which is a collection of my poetry. And there's the Purple Snowflake Marketing Book. Um, how to make your book stand out in a crowd. And then there's the booklet. I call it a booklet. It's kind of like a, a chat book, if you if you can imagine that. It's about a 40-page book. It's very small. It's an introduction into the world of writing. And it's called Jumpstart for Writers. That's the fifth book that I've written. Now, of course, I have several manuscripts sitting in my file cabinet just waiting <laughs> for me to get the time to work on them. I'm, I'm really anxious to get to that. But, uh, yeah, we're at the fifth book now and of course that's when i saw i did see your purple snowflake uh, marketing book and then i recently saw your new one now i know that you named the title purple snowflake for a reason you want to tell us what that is well you know that actually started with a a conversation that i had with my older brother uh larry town he told me about the uh concept that he had learned during one of his courses that called Purple Snowflake. And I thought, what a perfect visualization. Snowflakes jump down, and you picture one of them, a bright purple. What are you going to notice? You're going to notice that bright purple snowflake. And so that's what made me think of the, the idea for the book. I, I know it earlier, going like about uh, your snowflake, your yes. purple snowflake, and how authors need to stand out in the crowd, especially, I think, now more than ever, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can imagine being that purple snowflake in a snor- in a snowstorm, you know, you really need to stand out among the peers that are out there within your genre, within your service sector. You really do have to stand out. What makes you unique? What makes you that purple snowflake? Yeah, and even more so all the all the books that are badly written or badly edited. Uh and you know, saying that you're <laughs> That you are uh, the purple snowflake. You're worth something to people, so you really want to stand out because of the fact that you say, hey, you know, I've got something really to say here. Uh, you really need to listen to me. And well, you, that's it. you do raise a really good point. Um, because there's so many different options out there now for people, that makes it easier to get published. Some people are in a big hurry to get their things out there. It's one of the things we talk about in our book is you really got to take the time and make sure that you're putting out a really high-quality book. So get your beta readers happening. Check your grammar. Check your spelling. You know, really take the time to put out the best product that you that you can. Yeah, and, and I know a lot of authors, especially, uh, you know, we wait – a lot longer now, uh, a lot more of us in the middle ages, you know, in our middle ages getting into uh, writing for the first time. Even though we've been writing all of our lives, we've never been able to, uh, you know, break that mold and get into print. So here we're now doing it, and uh, and yet we try to do it too fast. Thing. I know some authors who are, you know, I got another one like yesterday who lost his job. Hmm. And, you know, the, here I thought he would be recession-proof, and he's not. So, <laughs> it's happened to all of us uh, at one time or another. You know, lost our jobs or lost our houses or, you know, things are happening all around us. And 
we we get kind of in a hurry uh, because we're, we think that it's going to save us, mm. and that's just not the case. You need to still take your time to do it right, otherwise it's gonna it's gonna come back on you. Well, you know, there's a big misconception about the world of writing. People in any art, really, whether you're a painter or whatever, you you have to put the work in. You have to go through this really long process. So if it takes you three years, for instance, to write your book, it's, you've got to take at least a few months up to a year to get all your beta reader, readers happening, to do all of your edits and revisions, to find a publisher that you're going to be working with. If you're going with a traditional publisher – then you're looking at anywhere between, well, six months is the quickest I've ever seen, right. but you're looking at uh, as as much as two years to see your book in print. Yeah. If you're going self-published, you might see it a lot quicker than that, but that is the danger. Are you getting the proper editing happening? Because publishers are doing that for a reason. They're releasing your book when they feel the market's going to be ready for it. They're releasing it when they know that there aren't a lot of books in that exact genre being released at that exact time. They're trying to get you the best slot in time. And they also have their own team, their editors, their proofreaders, their copywriters, their formatters. So if you don't know how to do that yourself, you have to go and you've got to outsource it if you're going to self-publish. Don't just rush through the project because you're going to end up having a shoddy project that's going to get bad reviews. You're not going to get sales, and you'll be sitting there wondering what the heck happened. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I see a lot of that. I see a lot of people who come to me and say, well, I got it done through this, you know, I won't say who the different companies are, but uh, they said, well, yeah, they accepted me. Well, it's because they accept almost everybody. <laughs> That's what their business is. Their business is to get you through the grinder as quickly as possible so that way they can make money on you. Yeah, you really need to research the publisher that you're working with. Remember that the people who are trying to sell you on their services, that's their job, to sell yeah. you. They're going to tell you whatever it takes in order to get you to work with them. So really be careful. Do your research on each and every publisher. Just because one publisher worked really well for your buddy down at the library doesn't mean that that publisher is going to be the right fit for you. So you really have to do the research. Feel feel out where that publisher is going to be working for you. You know, some people do really well with really small pub, small name publishers. Yeah. You know, so it's not always necessary to go for the big, big names um, at at the same time, right? So just figure out what works for you. Yeah, not to mention that I also know some big-name authors who uh, have gotten out of the big-name publishers because of the fact that they're not being paid on a consistent basis. Mm. Uh, they're, they're waiting you know, 18 to uh, 18 months or longer just to get any royalties whatsoever. Yeah, and try to have a budget on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just just got an article sent to me uh, from somebody somebody who you know, looks out for these kind of things for me. Uh, that Dorchester is uh, almost had to file bankruptcy, uh, and they they are almost two years late in paying any royalties. Yeah, well, you so, know, pe- people have to also <laughs> people also have to understand how the royalties work. So. Patty, how it works is when you have uh, any bookstore, whether it's online or whether it's a physical bookstore, they're going to have a certain amount of processing on their end. So just because they have the book in your on their shelves 
doesn't mean it's going to sell, number right. one. So if it sells off of their shelves, their processing, you know, when they do their bookkeeping is unique for each and every place. Some places might do it every 60 days. Some people might do it every 120 days. So when that information comes into the publisher, they then have their own bookkeeping scheduling going on. And they might take 30 to 60 to 120 days to process that information for each and every author. So, you know, just, just because your your mother tells you she bought two copies down at the local bookstore and you're looking at your latest royalty check and it's not showing up and you start screaming at the stars and, and yelling at your publisher, well, that's why it takes a really long time for all of this processing to come through. So not only that, but wherever it's being sold, they're going to take their cut out of that sales price. Right. So by the time the the publisher takes their royalty piece and the and the bookstore takes their cut out of the price, that's what you get. You don't get what's being sold on the shelf. So I think people have to really understand the business, you know, really have a realistic idea of what you're getting into. And and that's where a lot of them do not they don't don't they don't understand the business at all. Uh, they they have no understanding of it, and then they also say, "Well, I don't have any understanding of marketing." Uh, uh, you know, here I thought I, once I got the book done, I was I was done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're never done. You're never You're done. Absolutely done. <laughs> never done. No, that is another really big misconception. Is like, okay, I've written the book. I can just sit back now, and the royalty checks are going to come pouring in. It yeah. is not a reality. It doesn't matter who you're being published with. You're going to have to get out there on the street. You're going to have to be known by the media. You're going to have to be seen by the readers. You're going to have to get exposure in different publications, and you have yeah. to have a presence online, and you have to maintain that for the life of that edition of your yeah. book. Yeah. You know, so each new edition is going to have a whole new marketing campaign for the life of that edition. So no, you're never done. Yeah, I kind of laughed at one of them. I said, I said, you think that J.K. Rowling has just sit, you know, sat back and just, you know, raked in the royalties? <laughs> she's out there, you know, on different shows. She's out there, you know, with in the movie when they were doing the the movie, they she was out there with them. And uh, and going through the movies uh, information, of course, going to the premieres, she was being seen, right? Uh, and you have to do that. And so they think, well, I just want to. I don't. I don't work well with people. I don't want to go out there and said. In that case, you should have never written. That's you know that's just not how it's done anymore. You, you know, uh, I, I was learning something about Ernest Hemingway because I'm, I'm going to the running of the bulls in Ares, in Arizona this Friday, and. Uh, this is a guy who went out and he didn't just stay behind his typewriter. He went out and in the world and uh, made stories out of you know things that he experienced. And I said, and then of course because of it, he got a lot of publicity. And so people followed him around. They wanted to know what he was doing and you know uh, what we can write about next. Mm. And we have to be just like that. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, experiencing. <laughs> but we also have to make sure that whatever we're doing, it's it's something that we're skilled at doing. You know, sometimes we have to learn those skills, but it has to be something that we're skilled at doing. So we have to look at our unique situation, where we are, what kind of 
skills we have right now, what kind of skills we're willing to take on, what kind of budget we have. We have to evaluate our unique situation for each and every product that we release out there because, let's face it, you're, you're a business owner when you're a writer. You know, you're putting out products that you have to market. So how are you going to market that particular product? What's going to work for that particular product? So weighing those out, figuring out what's going to work, um, maybe trying on a few different things and seeing what kind of results that you have. Uh, And again, there's no failure, really, because what you've done is you've learned that, okay, that's that's not something that we need to do for this particular product. We're going to try something else. You shift your thinking. Um, you've learned you've learned some skills from that. You've learned that you've sort of eliminated one of the you know millions of opportunities and 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 uh, paths that you could take with that product. You've eliminated one of them. So now you can try the other. So it's it's an experimental project. Yes, I also find that that what works or doesn't work six months ago uh, may or may not be working now. So you have to shift again and reassess constantly. Yeah, absolutely. Another mistake that I see people doing is they will get reviews only at a certain time of a book. Or they will do book tours only at a certain time of the book and they never do it again. Or um, blog appearances or you name it, any of the many, many different routes that we could take with marketing our our book, they only do it once and they think they're done with it. That's the mistake that they're making is that they're saturating the market for a limited amount of time instead of spacing it out for the life of the book. So you want to get reviews for the life of that book not just in the one time period that you you have uh, been told that that's the time you're supposed to be doing it. You want to do it for the life of the book. So be more relaxed about certain things. Um, when you're doing your querying, space out your querying so you're not doing one genre all at once. That's where you get burnout of readership, where they're, uh, they get kind of tired of reading certain things about you. They want to hear different things. They want to see you in different places. They want to have different kinds of interviews and appearances and articles and whatever from you, not just one kind of thing. It, it gets boring, right? Yeah, it does. And it gets boring to the author, too, quite frankly. Oh, yeah. You can, <laughs> you can get burnout really easily. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I don't like to talk about just writing all the time. Because, you know, I, I like to talk about other things. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, that's, you know, there are times when you're like, yeah, let's talk about this, but, you know, let's let's go ahead and get it done and over with, and then let's talk about some fun stuff, because this is not fun to me. Uh, talk about this too much. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, you, you really need to create an action plan. What I like to tell people is create an action plan for your, your year, what do you think your year is going to look like? And then try to break that down into a monthly activity schedule and break that down even farther into a weekly schedule so that you can look at the end of the week, you can see what you've accomplished, what you have to push on to next week because circumstances didn't allow you to do it or whatever, and try to meet those goals at the end of every single week, at the end of every month, at the end of your fiscal year, and then you can turn around and, and see how things worked for you. You know, if you got to have that action plan in place so that you can pace out your activities and you don't feel overwhelmed. You don't have to do everything at once. Maybe next year is the time for you to take on this or that. You know, so just do just do what's on your action plan now and make notes. If you hear of something, you learn of something, put it in your marketing option file list 
somewhere. And let that be something that you glean from next year when you have more time in your schedule. Yeah, that's definitely true. And, of course, I have found that if you do, if you get uh, at least try to get three uh, reviews on your book per quarter, then you're you're going to end up getting a lot more hits on a continuous basis. You get more sales and con- it's more steady. It's not fits and spurts. Well, that's exactly it. You know, you, you want to space things out. You want to make sure that you're you know you're constantly getting exposure in all these different venues out there. And there's no way that you can humanly do them all at once at one you know the first yeah. month after your book is released. I mean, that's just unrealistic. You need to space it out. And understand that your product is alive for, you know, two to five to seven years, maybe longer, depending on what you have going on with that particular product. You need to have a marketing plan that's going to last that long. Yes, I, I have some authors who think that they, their life of their book is only what's in the bookstore, yeah, which is a six-week thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, that's different in the bookstore compared to when you're doing your own marketing online. So uh, that's a completely different ball game because uh, yes, you may only have uh, six weeks in the bookstore, uh, but you're still on back order. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't continue to sell. And of course, what, what does that have to do with you selling? You continue to sell your own stuff. You don't have to rely completely on the bookstore. At least I don't think you you should do that anymore. I personally don't. I personally don't rely on a bookstore to sell, you know, a physical bookstore to sell my my um, products. I find that by the time I end up getting my royalties back, uh, all the effort that I put into selling those books, you know, getting getting into local publications, advertising, whatever, for that particular bookstore, um, by the time you get your royalties in, you realize you, you didn't really make very much, if anything at all. Um, so it's not something that I personally focus on, although other people have had great success with that. I think it really depends on where you live, what kind of bookstore, what's the um, what's the population base that you're looking at. I mean, if you live in a town that's got 10,000 people, maybe that's not the way you want to go. But if you live in a town that's got uh, you know a million people in it, you have a much better chance of getting higher sales to that particular outlet. So um, I think you have to really look at, you know, where you want to put your effort. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it doesn't always have to cost something. So there's always good ways to, you know, offset something that costs a little compared to uh, something that's free. Mm. So you know, find find ways in order to cross-pollinate uh, with other with other authors or other publishers. That's right. And, you know, a lot of our, speaking of, you know, your budget, a lot of authors will come out with, uh, you know, okay, well, I'm going to have $5,000 to promote this book. And then they go and they blow it all in the first uh, five months because they've blown it in a variety of advertising without really uh, figuring out what that advertising is going to do for them. Because as I say, the people who are selling you that advertising slot, they're going to tell you, you're, you know, this is the best thing since sliced bread. But is it, you know, is it for you, you know? And what's the placement? Where are you on that page? Where are you in that publication? What's their circulation? What is it the same audience that you're trying to get? You know, if if they only have, you know, 5% of their readers could possibly be interested in your book, well, maybe you should be looking at some other avenue and spending your money elsewhere, you know, just because they uh, tend to have a lot of authors in your genre advertising with them. Don't let that influence you. 
Exactly. Yeah. There's so many. Uh, yeah. I, I used to work in a print shop for mm-hmm. many, many years, and uh, I go into other print shops and talk to you know the salesmen uh, because I had multiple uh, print shops that I used to work with. And oh yeah, we can do that for you. Oh yeah, no problem. You know they don't even look at your file yet. So how can you tell me that you can print this and do what I ask you to do? So uh, you got to. They're going to tell you that they can do the world, but yeah, you know, that's not the case. That's right. It's not the case. And as you were saying, you know, there's so many different ways of looking at marketing and advertising. Let's just go over some of them here. Um, direct marketing is one that you can look at. Now, it's just like the title indicates, this is when you're going to be sending something directly to a potential customer. So this would come, like, from your mailing list uh, that you've created as an, as an author or that you've purchased from somewhere. Let's say, for instance, you've got a building book, a book about building green. So you might want to, for instance, purchase a mailing list from a magazine that focuses on that particular genre. So that's what direct uh, marketing basically boils down to. It can be emails. It can be something that you mail out physically. It could be phone calls. But we're talking about direct to the individual customer as opposed to en masse. Now, indirect marketing, this is where you're going to, um, well, actually, there's several subgenres within this, but we'll just talk about it basically. And um, this is when you're going to be um, using frugal methods to um, to reach your customer. It can include things like underground marketing. Underground marketing are things like... Um, free classified ads, sometimes paid classified ads, email signatures, um, your activity on forums, your comments on blogs. This is underground marketing. Alley cap marketing is when you're hitting community bulletin boards. You're leaving bookmarks on retail counters. You're um, doing things like that. Soft selling is when you're putting um, your writing skills to promotional use. So you're offering articles and filler content for a variety of different publications, including press releases and things like that, for free. You're not getting paid for that. But in the end, you're marketing to your direct, you know, to your specific audience. Again, just writing an article and getting it published, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to roll in success. You've got to make sure that wherever you're going, you're going to your targeted market. There's also backdoor or back-end marketing. Um, This is where uh, you're doing things like public appearances, but not necessarily reading to the audience. You're not going to a a library and saying, oh, I'm going to read a chapter and you all listen to everything because I'm awesome. You're actually going and you're giving (laughs) events. You're you're speaking to groups about a particular uh, aspect that your book might touch on. You might give uh, uh, workshops about um, the the process of writing. You might uh, give lectures about a certain topic. Maybe you're a historical uh, writer. You would give uh, uh, lectures on research and and history or something like that. So that's backdoor or back-end. So what that means is you're going to these events, you're speaking. More often than not, you're getting paid more for the speaking event than you are for your book sales. But this is a really good option for authors to consider. Um, have this book available and all of your promotional materials available. 
so that they can pick them up on the table. They can purchase the book while you're at kinds of events. That's really good to have. Online marketing is another um, form of indirect marketing. And this is where you're working with um, uh, websites, you're working with e-zines, you're managing a blog, you've got social networking happening, you're doing um, online radio interviews, things like that. And then there's hands-on promotions. This is where you're um, attending networking events like Say, for instance, your Chamber of Commerce has an event. You go there and you, uh, you know, rub elbows, shake hands, meet people, hand out your bookmarks and business cards, things like that. You might be able to, I don't know, go to a writer's workshop or if you're a fisherman and you've written about fishing, you would go to a sporting store or you would, you see what I'm saying? Like you would go to these types of events, um, shows, trade shows, things like that. You don't necessarily have to have a booth. Just go around and start talking. That is now on. So, as you farther into the world of marketing, there's lots of other uh, genres, lots of different ways of marketing, consciously, especially, um, that you know a person could get into. But th- those are the base ones: your indirect and your um, and your direct marketing, and then all those subgenres that I just briefly covered there. There's quite a few more, but those are just. You know, ideas of of the different ways that a person could be looking at their own unique marketing plan. <laughs> I know when I start talking about these things with authors, they start getting glazed looks in their faces and like, oh my God, I have too much work to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it, that's just it. You know, there is a lot of work to do, but that's why I think that, you're, that Lillian's correct on spacing it out. Yeah, you know, uh, well, you gotta do it all at the beginning. No, no, no. It's because that's you're you're going to be burned out in your book so fast, and then you won't love it anymore. Absolutely, <laughs> that would be a real shame. <laughs> so, on your writing, let's go back a little bit. Uh, yep. Also, just to let anybody know, you can call in. Please do because I've got a couple of questions for her that I got through Facebook, but I want you guys to call in seven one four. Two four two five one four five. You don't have to be shy. You can actually ask these questions yourself. And of course, I also have been adding uh, her blog uh, information here, as well as oh, you know what? I lost it. I have to put it back in there. Um, I've been adding some of your locations of your website and some of your uh, information on where to get your books. On Great. the chat, so that way you guys could click on it and go right over right over to her information and find out not only more about Lillian, but also, of course, you know, look at her, take a look at her books, because uh, she definitely knows her thing, and obviously, this is why she's on the radio. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Yeah, you know, I I love doing both my own radio show and my blog. If if you go to consciousdiscussions.blogspot.com, you'll find my blog and I I offer opportunities, networking opportunities for other writers as well, people that are involved in the green and conscious movement as well. I do uh, you know, so if people are interested in submitting articles or if they'd like to participate in an interview, um I'm be more than willing to hear from them. They just have to head on over to my website Brummett.ca, click on that contact button there, and you'll be able to access me right away. And that's why I'm giving you guys your information here. You just click it and go right over there. 
Uh, one of the person, uh, one of my peeps on Facebook asked me, if you're aspiring writer, what what advice would you have to get started? Just write. Just start writing. Don't worry so much about how it sounds and what you're putting on the paper and getting an outline and all that kind of stuff. Authors will all have their own method of writing, and they'll tell you what they think is the best way to do it. Some people will tell you, oh, you got to do your character divine, you know, development. It's got to be posted on your wall, and you have to, you know, all of these things. Well, you don't. Just start writing. Get your words out there. Worry about construction, organization, all of that later. When you're very new, what you need to do is just develop the skill of putting your thoughts on writing. The biggest obstacle for writers or would-be writers is the fear. They fear it doesn't sound good enough. They fear no one's going to read this and then no one's going to buy this and no publisher's going to want this and, oh, my God, it's got spelling mistakes and all these thoughts start coming out of their head and it stops them. So don't Self, think of self-defeating. That's right, you're self-defeating. So don't think about those things right now. Just put your words on the paper, and really have a great time with it. You know, quite often when, you, especially when you're first starting, but even as an accomplished writer, and by accomplished I mean someone who's been doing it a while and has been published, you can uh, be working on a project, and you get to the stopping spot, and you don't know where to go from there. Sometimes. You have to put that aside. Just go ahead. Put it in a file cabinet or, you know, your CD or whatever. Store it somewhere in some file somewhere and know that you can come back to that when you're ready to face that particular story. Sometimes you have to grow as a writer. Sometimes you have to really brainstorm. Maybe you have to come across some unique situation. You could be, you never know, you could be in a in a mall sitting on a bench and you see something happening between a couple and you go, oh my gosh, that's just what I needed for this particular story. <laughs> and you yeah. go running home, you haul out that story and you start working on it again. Just because it's put aside doesn't mean you failed, doesn't mean it's stopped, doesn't mean it's over. It's just put aside for now. So I think, you know, don't let yourself, as as Patty was saying, you know, don't let those self-defeating thoughts take over. <laughs> and that, that is so true. That's so true uh, about, you know, and it's odd places sometimes uh, that you get the inspiration. So you never know where, where it is you're going to get it. <laughs> uh, the other question was uh, whether or not that they have a lot of people who are now uh, publishing e-books first. Mm-hmm. Do you suggest that over print or vice versa? I think or it would depend. Print. I think it would depend on your genre and your particular audience, the size of your book, your budget. Um, it, it would it, it would really depend on what you're going to be doing with that book. Um, an ebook has a uh, a wide audience online, but uh, there's a there's a huge amount of people. Most people, in fact. They don't own these little handheld devices. They don't um, maybe feel really comfortable with a computer. They'd much rather have a print copy. So it, I think you have to really know your audience. Who is your audience? And then you can make that call. Because it's kind of hard to say just generally what is better. It's more uh, a very unique situation for each and every person. I think because of the new technology, everyone's all excited about it. And there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, well, you got to start as an ebook first and test your market, get those readers, get your, you know, uh, readership happening and then do it in print. Not necessarily. 
You know, that might actually end up being a time waster for you. Um, as opposed to there's other people out there that are doing very well with ebooks and they've never put their book into print. So it really comes down to knowing your your audience and reaching out to that audience. Uh, you, you can't just you can't just know your audience and choose a, a printing um, option. And don't forget, there's audio books, there's video books, there's subscription yeah. books. There's lots of different genres out there that people you know may not have considered for that particular product. If you can conceive it, you can develop it. That's the thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. Don't don't you know uh, hinder yourself from trying something new either. Yeah, uh, because you know, that just might be what's the next best thing coming out. It might be some of your idea that you just came up with. Yeah, and you know, I I I think ebooks are great. I've got our our books are out in ebook. Um, four of our books are out in ebook as well. But you know, I think the world of ebooks has really um, threatened uh, the 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 fiscal benefits of being a writer. Um, because there's a lot of ebooks out there that are free. Yeah. A lot of people that are so desperate to be known as writers that they're letting their work go for ninety nine cents or a dollar ninety nine or two ninety nine. And you know, personally, I refuse to do that. I mean, I've put uh, you know years of work into that book, and I'm going to let someone you know uh, experience have have an experience when you think about how many hours it takes you to read a, a 300 page book mm-hmm. how much you're going to be gleaning from that especially from nonfiction because it's te- typically teaching you about a certain subject mm-hmm. um so you're you're basically taking a course for several hours what is that worth to you you know and i have to also say that uh there's books out there that sound like they're fantastic in the ebook industry i've personally purchased them downloaded them and find it was a lot of fluff a lot of advertising, a lot of copywriting, and not too much content. So, you know, yeah. what are you paying for when you put out that money? And and what does that do to the author as well? I mean, you got to look at what kind of time they put into putting that product out there and, um, you know, the value of that product. Yeah, um, I get uh, these free uh, books once in a while, uh, quite a bit, uh, especially on marketing, from other people who think they know something. <laughs> and I, I get it, and I read it. And I say, "You got to be kidding me! Is this all you got?" Mm. You know, uh, they formatted it so there was a lot of space in between it. And when you put that in ebook, it's really bad. Uh, it, it, then you really got a lot of space. <laughs> you raise a really good point, Patty. I have to say that I downloaded this one book I paid for, and you know, it was just like that. It was huge lettering for the for the chapter titles. You know, lots of pages, empty pages in between, you know, certain certain points of the book. Um, lots of space from the title to the first paragraph of, of each chapter, things like that. And it just ate up so much space. So, sure, it looked like it was a, you know, 70 or 80 page book. But if you actually went and formatted it, what I think, properly, it'd probably be like a 12 page book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm going like, well, you know, free is probably the right price for that then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you probably just, did. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna go back and pay for it because you didn't give me anything. Right, <laughs> that's the problem. So, so yeah, so I I try to see, try to get something, glean something, little something from everybody that I can pass on to others or morph into something else that'll work for a certain person. Uh, as you said, every book is different, and I I get people with all different kinds of books. 
religious books to uh, you know to fiction stories about you know uh, grand futures. Because yeah, of course, uh, time travel is my favorite, so I'm particular on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if, what surprised you most when you started creating your first book? What surprised me most? The fear that I went through. Um, you know, I was prepared, having been a business owner, I was prepared for the amount of work that it was going to take. I, you know, having taken the course, I had a good understanding about the world of writing, done the research, went online, talked to a lot of writers. Uh, so I had a good idea as to what I was going to be facing. But what surprised me most was the fear that I had. Uh, there was a lot of fear about, you know, how people were going to receive this, um, how I was going to be perceived out there in the market, um, whether I was going to be able to handle success because once sales start coming in, that means you're going to have a lot more uh, invitations to appear on radio or to appear in in the public. And was I going to be able to do that being such a shy, introvert person? You know, it, it was a big fear process. Um, my second book, Towards Understanding, um, when I first started putting that book together, it was it was a collection of my poetry that I uh, carefully gleaned some 300 poems down to about 125 that I was willing to share with the public about my journey of healing, you know, through the abuse that I went through. And so it was very emotional. And that was extremely scary for me to have out there in the public. And, you know, when I first started reading, you know, media, they'd want you to read a poem or two on their, on their radio show or, you know, in public. And when I first was doing this, I had all these amazing um, emotions surprise me. You know, I'd be reading a poem and I'd, I'd almost start crying in the middle of it because it was so powerful for me. I'd be so nervous about reading something, you know, it's like a piece of my soul that I was releasing out there. Uh, poetry is very personal. And so um, when I was reading it initially, I would my voice would shake. I was really nervous. But over time, I developed the ability to go ahead and, you know, rip open my heart and say, here I am, and be able to just be there and, and be okay with that. But it took it took a lot of um, exposure of facing those fears for that to be able to get to that point. I'm, I'm still not comfortable being in the public. Like if I had to get on a stadium somewhere and talk to someone, I'd be close to passing out. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm really comfortable talking on radio. I have absolutely no problem with that at all. Yeah, I have an author who uh, started with me about five or six months ago, and uh, when I first met her, I mean, she was she was just she was bawling. I mean, she just was crying her eyes out because it was such an emotional uh, roller coaster ride. She knew she was getting on, mm. and and I said, look, says we're just going to take this one step at a time. So you're not going to have to get in front of 50,000 people tomorrow. <laughs> okay. So that's just, you know, you you have to go through the process. And like you said, you know, you're surprised about how emotional it was. And, and actually, uh, you know, writing is an emotional thing. It's, <laughs> it's a, a very personal thing. Absolutely. And uh, I just... Again, Ernest Hemingway had said that uh, that writing is a solitary art, and that we must get out and actually experience life in order to, to be any good at it. Uh, and I think that's the same thing with you know the process of 
healing and using the writing as that healing process. It's so, and I always I say it's cheaper than therapy. Yeah, writing is a therapy. You know, it doesn't matter what genre you're writing in. You learn something about yourself. You you develop your your own self with each and every um, project that you're working on. There's no doubt about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And even if it's monsters in space. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And apparently you had monsters in your life that you had to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So we're almost we're just past an hour, but okay. um, I got one other person who said, well, it did ask where to find your novels, and I didn't finish putting that up. If you want to help me here and put some of this information on your on the chat here so that way we can get your books up there. Okay, well, you know the very best place for them to go is just our main website. Just go to brummet.ca, B-R-U-M-M-E-T.ca, and you can click on the store uh, link there. It'll take you to a page where it lists our books. And then from there, you can, um, for each book, there's a buy now where you can go to two different publishers and purchase right away. Or you can go to the Learn More button, and when you go there, it has another write-up, a longer write-up about each book and, you know, more reviews and all kinds of stuff about each book. And there, there's a list of other published or other uh, places that you can purchase it. Like all books or most books, you can, you know, drop by Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, Books a Million. You can go to Diesel. You can go to um, Smashword. You can go to uh, Create Space. You can go to Baker & Taylor, Sony, Kobo. I mean, I could go on. I mean, there's, there's lots of other online stores. You can go to your uh, local bookstore and have them order it in. You'll need the ISBN number for each book. That's kind of like an identity number for those of you who aren't um, uh, familiar with that. So if you just go to our site, brummet.ca, it'll have all of that information there for you. So however you want to purchase the book, you can just go ahead and do so. Just to let you know that on the chat, you guys are going to have to copy and paste that because uh, it's not letting me do a hyperlink on that on brummet.ca. So go ahead and co- and copy and paste it into your browser. Um, see, there's one more question here. Okay, this is great. I'm I'm so glad that so many of your listeners had uh, had such interesting <laughs> questions. I I love being challenged by questions. <laughs> oh, okay. What? Well, they also want to know what you're what you're going to be up to next. But before we do that, let's say, uh, does what you do for a living inspire or reject what you write about in your books? Well, no matter what I do in my life, um, I have this monk-like um, passion, this dedication, this obsession for making a difference. Um, for me, I, I, I guess having come from where I did, having gone through what I did, um, I really need to feel like I'm making a difference, that I'm having a positive impact on the planet, um, whether it's being helping people through their problem or teaching people how to go about releasing their own written work or uh, caring about the environment or whatever I'm 
doing it the moment, I find that um, I put my all into it. And I, I, I can't just write about anything. I can't just write about some dress. I can't, you know, go into the world of fashion and, and write articles about that. I, I have to, for me, it has to be something that I feel like I'm leaving a legacy behind. Um, when, when I had my accident, it really shook me up. It was um, life-changing. I realized how very fragile life is. Having lost so many friends and relatives in a short amount of, of time, I really knew that this was something I had to do. Um, one of the conversations that I had with my late mother, who incidentally um, a couple Christmases ago committed suicide, um, she really felt like she hadn't had a mark in the world other than you know procreation, having children. Right. And so um, through my writing, I was able to help her leave a mark by doing interviews with her and gleaning information from her for a, a gardening book that I'm presently working on um, for gardening sustainably, organically, um, dynamically. Um, so uh, her information is going to be reaching a wider audience in that regard. I- I've already had many articles from that interview published. Um, so that helped me help her feel like she had more of an impact with her life, um, that her life had meaning. So I see that in other people as they get older, that this is something they really feel a lack of, you know, and a lot of people out there, they just want to leave a message behind for their family. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be something published. So that's something that Dave and I are working on now. We're helping people get their, um, uh, you know, writings, their short stories, their personal history, their family history, um, all of these things, their their poetry, getting them in um, published format so they can gift them to their family members, not necessarily because they want to be published writers, but because they want to leave a legacy behind for their family. So this yeah. is something that we're working on right now. Um, I mentioned the gardening book. That's something that I've been working on for, gosh, uh, years and years and years um, through my mom through her uh, market garden, um, working with her, doing that for 11 years, and then my own experiences as a gardener, um, all piled into one manuscript, the messy manuscript that's in my files right now that I I definitely need to get to. That's going to be one of my next projects. And, um, yeah, I I just really need to feel like I'm making, uh, having a positive impact out there that, Knowing that I've done what I have, I've I've reached the dream of getting the subjects that I really felt uh, compelled to put out there. Um, I I feel like if I was to get involved in another accident, I wouldn't have the same devastation uh, emotionally um, that I had before because I feel like I've I've made my mark. I've had an impact. I've left something behind that's going to move society towards that positive conscious, sustainable movement that's happening all over the planet. Um, You know, each one of us can be this little ripple, and I've been able to be that little ripple. So for me, that's that's really important. You know, you and I have something in common. I almost died uh, from a uh, bacteria inside me. Mm. And uh, I understand completely what you're talking about. Uh, I I wasn't writing full-time at the time. Hadn't finished that book that was inside me. And when I uh, lived to tell about it, um, that was my chance to actually do it. 
So I dusted off the manuscript and made my entire world, flipped it around because I had changed it in the time that I had started it, you know, 12 years before. Mm. And and 296,000 words later, I said, okay, this is a good start. <laughs> <laughs> so then I realized that it wasn't just about my book. It was about helping others to do the same thing. So mm. I, I totally understand what you're saying because we all get at that age, I think, or something traumatic happens to us. Um, it does leave a mark. You're, you're never the same. You're never the same. Uh, I, I learned a lot from when that happened and I had to change my life uh, accordingly and I haven't looked back since. So uh, it's, it's, things, things happen to your life and there's uh, things happen for a reason and uh, sometimes you've got to be woken up. That's right. You know, we have to look at all of these journeys that we've gone through in our life as these stepping stones to get to where we are now, to be the person that who we are now. And just imagine where we're going to go in the future. <laughs> you just never know. Right. And, you know, about leaving a legacy, uh, that's something that writers do. I mean, you're, once your your book is in print, uh, it's always there. So you've left your mark, but you have to, this is all, all the more reason why you should make sure you do it right the first time because <laughs> you don't want to leave the wrong mark. Mm, absolutely. You know, I have a poem. I wouldn't mind reading if if oh, you're into yeah. it. It's, it's about this very topic that you're that you're bringing up right now about um as writers we can we can leave these tiny treasures behind for other people it's actually called tiny treasures would you like me to share it definitely okay tiny treasures the past seems so distant so very far away it feels like another tread that path of dismay my heart is resistant to thoughts of yesterday the pain is now sated Stone memories fade to gray. Crying out so insistent, words moving years away. Was it I who wrote them, and what do they mean today? Years lost in crazed emotion. Time eroded while pain healed. Here I am, a new person, only tiny chains revealed. Moments of horror are defeated, melted down to fine gold. Gifts of tiny treasures to those who need them the most. Crying out so insistent, words moving years away. Was it I who wrote them, and what do they mean today? Wow. <laughs> that that was perfect. That was perfect. Well, thank you. Because uh, I, think, I do believe that words are a gift, and it's a shame when, when people don't actually share that. So uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I was trying to wait for some other people because they they were took interest of you being on, but doesn't look like they're going to ask anything. I got I'm in some different writing groups and publishing groups on uh, Facebook. So that's why what's where I'm getting your your questions. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and and knock off and I, now. There's a question I always ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody has a different answer because we all have different personalities and we're all been through different things. So the question is, now that you have successfully slain the dragon, how will you celebrate? <laughs> 
Mm. A big glass of red wine. <laughs> Locally produced, of course. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that's why I ask, because everybody has a different answer. <laughs> so with that, I really appreciate you coming on, and you gave us some all some great information, and, and it's kind of funny because some of these things have already come out of my mouth, and I'm glad they came out of yours for a change. Because that way people, uh, you know, my peeps will say, oh, yeah, I know she's been telling me this, you know. <laughs> it's not just me saying it, people. <laughs> well, that's, so. the, that's the thing. You really need to hear from a variety of different people. You need to really understand what the business is all about. And for each writer out there, their experience is different for each and every product that re- they're releasing. So it's really important that especially as new writers, that you get out and you listen to as many of these kinds of interviews as you can. You get on blogs, you listen, you read as many interviews as you can, um, participate in forums, really start asking questions and seeing what other people are asking as well because, you know, a lot of us come from an ego base, so we need to sort of go there seeing what other people are asking and, and, and see if their questions might be that aha moment for us, something we haven't considered, we haven't thought about, and I think that's really important. You have to grow and no matter how long you've been in this industry you have to continually grow especially with the technology as it's changing and growing and evolving and and publishing companies are changing and evolving you have to constantly be on the go as far as uh, keeping your your um, education up to par yeah definitely i was just telling somebody that earlier today and we did get another question in good and that. Oh, they're wondering about your your show that you do, your radio show. Yeah. And I know you have particulars on on what you will run and what you won't. So you need to tell them now what you're what you're willing to. If they're asking if they if they can be uh, guests on your show, so you need to tell them what your parameters are. Okay, well, I absolutely love having guest queries. Again, if you head on over to brummet.ca, B-R-U-M-M-E-T.ca, you'll see a link there for the radio and blog page. Head on onto that link. It'll open up a new page for you, and you can read all the information about the radio show and the blog. There's also an extra link there that gives guidelines, um, frequently asked questions, things like that. So it'll give you a better understanding as to who our audience is and what it's all about. But mainly, the radio show is called Conscious Discussions, and that title is kind of self-explanatory. We talk about um, positive, proactive, conscious living topics. So that can include anything from looking for a job to planting a garden. Um, We actually have several different segments specifically. Um, we have, of course, the interview segments where we have special guests come in just for, you know, random interviews. But we also have uh, the positive news segment. We have the world of writing segment where um, I give advice about the world of writing. And we also have experts, publishers, publicists, agents, book reviewers, um, editors, what have you, come on to share their expertise during those segments. We have this, um, the gardening segment and much more. So it's it's all about living consciously. It's about sharing information. Our show is not about... Um, 
advertising, um, selling other people's books and products, uh, although uh, you know I try to be as gracious as I can in that regard. But it's really about sharing information, um, making a difference through having these conscious discussions. So if you feel that you have a topic that you'd like to bring to our audience, I'd love to hear from you. But most importantly, head over to brummet.ca, B-R-U-M-M-E-T.ca, Click on that radio show button, radio and blog button, and that's going to take you to give you all the information that you're going to need in regards to what the show's about and whether you feel that you're going to be able to fit in with that audience. And that actually perfectly uh, ends up our our uh, hour and a half here. And okay. uh, I wanted to let everyone know that I will be your guest on January 3rd. That's a Thursday. And it is some time from now, but it's going to be on Media Kits because I think that there's a, a lot of information that's not getting out on uh, what authors should be doing as far as uh, developing their media kits, not only in paper format, but also on their website. Mm-hmm. Uh, this so is what I... So they, they need to know more about how to get their, their word out. So that's why I'll be a guest of yours on January 3rd. Uh, that'll be next year already. <laughs> <laughs> you gearing up for the holiday? I am, I am. I'm still in a bit of uh, shock and awe that we're heading into 2013 already. I don't know where the year went. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know either. We must have been so busy. We just forgot to to, to keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah, I just blinked and it went from January to October. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> yeah, I think it said that the older we get, the more shocked we get when that happens. <laughs> oh, we got so much going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's probably a good thing. People who do have a lot to do, uh, that's just the way it is. We're all so busy. So with that, I'm going to say goodbye. And thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciated the time. Oh, yeah. you're welcome. And uh, enjoyed really talking to you. That's great to hear from you. Thank you. Don't be a stranger. No, no, you either. <laughs> Let's keep that networking relationship happening. You know how I love networking. <laughs> Thank you so much. You bet. That was Lillian Brummett, and she's a lovely lady who has a lot to say. And she's definitely in the know when it comes to everything about authoring and, and about publishing. And she's this wonderful marketing person who has some uh, terrific ideas. And I hope you guys definitely gleaned a little bit of information from her. Um, hopefully you guys were writing this down because it sure it comes in handy uh, later when you're considering when your book is done and you need to come up with these little things and you forgot what Lillian had offered you. But again, you can always get her book, uh, you know, Purple Snowflake Marketing. So it's a wonderful book to be with, gleaned with all this information that she just handed to you today. So definitely uh, take a look at her books and find out more about uh, her and things that her activist uh, environmental activity that she's got going on here in, in uh, Canada. And we thank her for coming on board today. So what else do we have going on this month? We've got a couple minutes here and I'm going to kind of let you know. As long as we can, uh, if we can't run the show itself, we may not be live on Friday, depending on the availability of, obviously, the Internet. This is out in Cave Creek, so it's going to be an outdoor event. We'll be in a tent. 
uh, Running of the Bulls in Arizona. This is a second annual event, and uh, was invited to, to come and take place. The media is going to be doing a dry run. I'm not sure how they can do a dry run of a, of a Running of the Bulls. It'd be interesting to see. But I thought this would be interesting to find out if anyone is writing about these experiences. And this this is all new extreme sport. It's not all new, obviously, in Spain. They've been doing this as far as their facilities for for you know centuries, but it's new here in the U.S. So this again is an extreme sport because you're getting in front of the bulls and they're they're you're racing as fast as you can in front of them, and trying to be the last one that uh, gets into the ring just before the bulls. So it'd be interesting to see. It's definitely the first time I've ever experienced, and I don't have to go to Spain to do it. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> so, like I see a difference between the one in Spain and, of course, the one here in uh, Cape Creek, Arizona. And so that's this Friday on the 19th. And it'll be about 6 o'clock to 6 or 7 o'clock. I'll be trying to run this live. If I don't run it live, then uh, I would definitely tape the interviews and whatnot and be able to put that up for you. So keep that in mind. And then we've got... On next Wednesday, we've got the T Magazine that uh, is all about the hip-hop generation. And that's at 5.30 to 6.30. You'll be seeing more uh, about that show uh, on here. They have not set that up yet, so I've got it ready to go. And that's uh, Wednesday, October 24th, 5.30, 6.30, Arizona time. Obviously, two-hour difference in Central time would be 8.30. Well, 8.30 Eastern time, 7.30 Central time, yada, yada. <laughs> you need to take a look and see you know, where you are and what time uh, that is for you. And then we've got uh, the show on Friday, October 26, 5.30 to 6.30. And I know you guys are looking forward to this one, especially those who listened to Greg Lundberg the other day when we were talking to him about his science fiction story. And we were discussing his, his nonfiction book also, which is called eBooks for under $350. Uh, I've been reading through his book, so we got a lot of questions. And I know you guys got a lot of questions. And if you don't, you really should. Uh, if you don't, you're crazy. You need to be asking questions about ebook development if you don't have your book in ebook yet or have it in there but don't like the way it looks, it looks right now, then you need to definitely listen to the show on Friday the 26th from 5.30 to 6.30 Arizona time. And then on Friday the November 2nd, if you already November, my goodness, We'll be talking to Jeff Johnson about his book, and that'll be 5.30 to 6.30, and I'll have that show information up very soon. And if I'm lucky, we might actually be doing a live show from the Steampunk Masquerade Ball in Tempe, Arizona. That'd be the Sheridan Phoenix Airport Hotel in Tempe. As long as we got a good connection, we'll be able to do a show there. That'll be Saturday, November 3rd. That masquerade ball starts at 6 p.m. and goes until 2 in the morning. So, 
Act six hours of mayhem. Obviously, we can only do two-hour show. Uh, so we'll do it early in the evening before everyone, before anybody gets drunk. Okay. <laughs> so we got a lot of good things coming up. Definitely take a look at the queue on uh, K Water Radio to find out about the upcoming shows and definitely listen in. And if you don't have time to listen in at that time, definitely come and listen to it later. Because that's uh, that's important to get the information, and of course, some great shows coming up. Just like Lillian uh, Bremmett with her fountain of information here. So with that, I'm going to say this is KWAD Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand, and it's uh, almost seven o'clock at night here. And so I'm going to go and have some dinner. Hopefully, you have too. Blue. 